0: I'm happy to see lots of wives here Because we're going to be talking about A message for wives Actually, it's for husbands just as well Because any principle in God's word Applies to everyone Doesn't it? So what we share for wives You husbands can go home and practice In reverse towards your wives And you will see a tremendous difference well, you know, God in His Word gives us many beautiful and encouraging words. And do you know there's a special chapter in the Bible that is particularly written for wives and mothers. Does anyone know what that is? Proverbs 31. You've read it before. I'm assuming by that answer you've read it more than once because you were, you were right with it. Okay? Okay? Well, that's been a tremendously encouraging chapter to me, a challenging chapter to me. It's been one that has motivated me to become more of the wife that God is calling me to. It has given me a vision of what God wants me to become as a woman in my home in relationship to my husband. And notice what it says here in chapter 31 of Proverbs. Verse 10, here is the very question that is being asked. And we think about that as as we listen to the words. Who can find a virtuous woman? Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. That means it's it's a woman whose character is so beautiful as it reflects the love of Jesus, that the worth of that individual, in how that individual wife and woman affects others is far above the most costly gems that man has ever known. A virtuous woman. I am not a virtuous woman by nature and i am learning to be a virtuous woman by the grace of god but we, i have found what helps me to desire that even more is when i spend time in god's word to read what god wants to make me make of me you know he when we read about creation when god created the earth it was wonderful but do you know he still is the creator of all of the universe and right now he wants to create in our hearts as wives a new character, a virtuous character that will be an example in our home to help to develop and cultivate not just the characters of our children, but our husbands also, that we can have harmony and unity within our homes. So I've entitled this message, I Have You in My Heart. It's another very important Bible verse. It's found in Philippians 1.7. I have you in my heart. Do you know who wrote those words? Paul. Paul. He wrote the book, didn't he? Philippians. And Paul wrote these words about uh, the Philippian people. Now, if you've ever read through the book of Philippians, it's really good when we read these things, not just to do a superficial reading, but to think about what is really being said there. Because as you read through the book of Philippians That Paul is writing to them You will find out much about their characters The kind of people they were They had some strife among them They had some other weaknesses of character There were some backbiting And some other types of things As you read through Philippians He describes the Philippian people And not only does he describe them But he calls to their heart And he he challenges them For a better way ...to come to Christ and to experience a happier, joyful experience. And as Paul is writing to these dear, beloved friends of his, he says, I have you in my heart. Now, where was Paul when he wrote these words? He was in prison. He was in bondage. He was in chains. Now, think about it. If you were laying in prison, wives, you were chained there and things were really hard, would your heart be going out to your family and to your husband? Would it? Wouldn't our natural inclination to be, Woe is me, I'm in bondage, I'm chained, I'm in a dungeon, and I'm poor me? And wanting not everybody think about us and pray for us? Here's Paul. He's a, he's a beautiful example of the power of God's transforming grace, that creative power to change a heart. Because remember, he was Saul at first, persecuting and, and, and killing God's people. And God changed his heart. He created it anew. And Paul became the Apostle Paul, to the Gentiles, and to all those who would hear. And he said, I'm a debtor to them. He, he loved the Lord with his entire heart. And even though he was in bondage, his thoughts in his heart was with his brethren out there who were struggling in day-to-day life. That's a tremendous encouragement to me. I have you in my heart. That's what God wants to put in our hearts as wives towards our husbands. Regardless of our situation, sometimes we may feel like we may be in bondage or under hard circumstances that are distressing. but God wants us, in spite of our circumstances or the challenges of the day, to have in our heart a deep love and respect and appreciation for our spouse that regardless of our circumstances, they're in our heart. It means regardless of what they may say or do, they're in our heart. I'd like to take you back To 1980. It was April the 13th. That was our wedding day. I couldn't... I was so excited, I couldn't hardly wait until the day came. Remember how that was? Women and men? Come on, men. Do you remember that day that you were getting married? I mean, wasn't there excitement and anticipation? And it was like, it just couldn't get here quick enough. And then when it finally came, it was almost as if it was a dream or it was unreal. I mean, I can remember getting ready for the wedding... And I had my wedding dress, and I'd had it for a while, but, I mean, this time, when I put it on, this is the real thing. You know what I mean? Remember that? Come on, women, you remember those moments? It was exciting. Looking forward to it, anticipating it. And so we went through the day, and now, at that moment, under heaven... By God, we are united as husband and wife. Oh, was I excited. We were just so excited. and Then we went off to the honeymoon. One week of all that I expected it to be more. Remember that, women? Maybe you didn't have a week. Maybe you had some women have more, some women have less. But those first few days, those first few moments, that special time that was set aside just to get acquainted in a more special way, Right? We are now united as husband and wife. Then what happens? We come back to the real world, right? Remember in the Old Testament when they got married? Well, what was the tradition in Old Testament times for a, a new bride and groom? Does anybody know? They usually had the first year where there was no out outside responsibilities I mean the the man and the women because today women go out and work too. usually when they're married they don't have children so they're right out in the workforce that was our case came back from our honeymoon he's off to work I'm off to work and life is as usual there's none of that for 12 12 months God knew the importance of that early those early moments in the marriage to build that strong foundation for good communication well anyway we got back from our honeymoon we didn't have a year if any of, you can afford, or any of you young people can afford a year, you save up ahead of time and then enjoy that time. But anyway, we came back, and we entered into our work week, and we came back and started work on a Monday. We got married on a Sunday. The following Sunday, we're home from the honeymoon. Monday, we start back to work. We're into real life again. And on Thursday, that first week, we're home together as husband and wife, our brand new home, brand new to us. Tom was scheduled to sing in someone else's wedding in another state in America. So he had to fly from Chicago to Boston, which is a third of the way across the United States. You see, when we were engaged, because of our frugality and the the way we were raised, we decided that, you know, he he had a commitment to sing at a wedding on a Sunday. So we got a cheaper airfare if he left on Thursday. Because in America, if you travel Friday and Sunday, you get a higher rate. But if you travel on Thursday and Monday, your rates are less. So being frugal, we decided he'd travel on Thursday and Monday. So that means he was gone how many days, children? Thursday, Friday, Sabbath, Sunday, Monday. How many days? Five days. To sing for one-day wedding? Well, that's what we planned. I agreed to it. And because we were of such a mindset even though we had the money because we were both working full-time and I didn't have any debts at that time, he didn't have any debts at that time. We thought, well, there's no use for me to go. I mean, I'm not participating in the wedding. Just let him go on his own and I'll stay home and I'll set up housekeeping. And I'll tell you, I had a wonderful time. Not that he was gone, but just in anticipation of what he was going to expect when he got home. Because we were still, you know settling the cupboards and getting the dishes put away. Because, you know, coming back from your honeymoon on Sunday and starting work on Monday and working eight hours and commuting, you don't have a lot of time. So I was all excited. I came home from work on Thursday, took him to the airport Thursday morning, went to work, came home Thursday afternoon, and I am just thinking all this time about who? Tom. He was in my heart. He was in my thoughts constantly. And I was just looking forward to it. I figured, well, when he gets in, he'll give me a ring. Let me know I got there safe. And then as the day progressed and it got into the evening, I thought, well, you know, he's probably gotten with his friends and they're going here and there because the wedding wasn't bossed and they had to travel a bit. And so I expected, you know, Thursday night that I would get a phone call. But I didn't get a phone call. I said, well, you know, he probably got busy. Maybe he was out of his control and these kind of things that go on. And so Friday morning I got up and I was all excited. Yeah, he's kind of expecting that phone to ring before I went to work. But the phone never rang. And I went to work, and I'm thinking, oh, he'll, he may call me at work, you know, maybe things are busy. And you know how we begin to give the benefit of the doubt, let's say, because our motives in our heart is, are good, aren't they? Sometimes. <laughs> in certain situations. But he was in my heart. I was thinking of him constantly, so much so that probably I was not being very, um, as diligent in my work as maybe as I should have been, but... Friday night came and no phone call. And Sabbath. And Sabbath nights. And Sunday. Now, I want to ask you, wives, what was happening in my heart now? <laughs> you know, all this love and all this this um, acceptance... And all of this great appreciation and all these, as we call it in America, these rose-colored tinted glasses began to change because my feelings got hurt. You know what I mean? Wives, have you ever had hurt feelings? I think every wife here has, and I think the husbands have too, to be honest and fair with them. And I began to get my feelings hurt. feel sorry for myself. I had a good reason, didn't I? I was a brand new bride. I was thinking of him constantly. What's wrong with him? He can't even think of me and be nice enough to give me a call. I mean, isn't that how our humanity is? But you know, we don't stop with hurt feelings. Hurt feelings that are held on to, that are massaged and rehearsed and replayed on auto or instant replay. You know what that's like? You, just, you never have to turn it over. It just keeps going and going and going again. That's what happens in our minds immediately began to change from hurt and poor me to I don't like this and feelings of animosity began to build feelings of bitterness began to build in less than five days I changed from a sweet loving kind gentle wonderful wife all of a sudden the real me came out you know what I mean in less than five days because my husband offended me now in all fairness to him, as I remember, the, the only time I remember communicating with Tom was when I picked him up from the airport on Monday. And I was not the wife that he left on Thursday, unfortunately. I was hurt, hurting, upset, and I was quick to let him know that. Now, when he met me, he had none of the feelings. He was excited. He was the same Tom that left me five days ago. And I was totally different. Now, what I want to say in fairness to him is that he does remember calling me. And maybe he did, but, you know, sometimes our minds can be so focused that we can't even remember because we are so controlled by our feelings and emotions, that we can actually blank out something that may have happened. So in fairness to him, he remembers calling. And so we agree that neither one of us have to be right. We can remember it how, how it was. But you know it taught me a very... It began to open my eyes and teach me a very important lesson. It didn't. It wasn't a completed lesson at that point. It has been a growing lesson for years since then. But it told me That if I want my husband to be in my heart and for me to be in his heart... See, he was in mine. I question whether or not I was in his. But if we want that experience, then we must come to know what the role of the wife is in the home. That's why we go back to Proverbs chapter 31 that discusses a virtuous woman. And that's the call that each one of us wants. We want to respond to that call from God to our hearts... How to become a virtuous woman. Because, you know, we're told that in order to have a successful marriage, each one must give what? 50-50. Have you ever heard that? Is that the way it is here in Australia? If you want to have a happy marriage, you give 50%, your husband gives 50%, and you are happy. Well, that's what we did. I gave 50 he gave 50 and we still didn't have peace. You know why? Because I picked the 50% that I, it was easy for me to give. He picks the half that's easy to give. And we found that there were still areas that neither one of us were willing to give on. That's not my half to give. You have to give. That's the attitude. And when we do not give all, we find that just half is not enough. You understand where that, what I'm saying? Because if we look at the principle from God's Word, God just didn't pour out 50%. To save mankind, he gave all, didn't he? His very son, he gave a hundred percent to give us every incentive to take hold of salvation. And God wants to teach us as his children to give a hundred percent to him. And when we give our hearts a hundred percent to Christ... Then we can learn how to give 100% in our home. That means the things that aren't easy for me, I can yield on. That's why Tom and I can smile and we can have peace about this. Do you know that we know couples today that of situations that happen early on in their marriage, like similar to what I just described, that today, 10, 15, 20 years later, they're still at odds against each other because neither one has been willing to accept the other they still hold on to their position and not only do they hold on their position but they make the other person wrong i believe my husband hundred percent he remembers calling me and i accept that and he believes me to the best of my knowledge i don't recall it And he can accept that and it's no longer a little thing that could cause contention and division a virtuous woman let's look at how God wants to take us a hundred percent women from where we are in our natural inclinations and bring us to learn how to cultivate virtue in our role as wives in our home because you know there's the Bible describes a virtuous woman if we when you think of the word virtue, we have certain definitions that come into our mind, right? But when you look up what the word virtuous means in Scripture, virtuous means more than purity, it means strength. God wants women to be strong. Not the way the world is portraying women to be strong, independent, free thinkers. Stand for your rights, women. That's the worldly way, the world's way of producing or trying to convince women of strength. That is not godly strength. It's strength of character that is a virtuous person. Purity and strength. A strong woman to stand for right. And notice what else the verse says. In Proverbs twelve four, it says A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. So now we understand virtuous but what about the word crown here? Does that mean that my husband walks around with his gold crown on his head because I'm a virtuous woman? No. The crown is a symbol of protection. If you think about it, a crown is circular, isn't it? It's complete. Have you ever seen a, a crown on a king? It's, it fully is a, a complete circle that, that crowns the head. It encircles, it encompasses It protects. Now, notice where the crown is worn, on the head. A virtuous woman, a woman of purity and strength of character, becomes a crown of protection. She becomes, she encircles her husband or encompasses her husband with what? A a hedge of protection in his thoughts from the devil's temptation to men. That is the role of a wife, of a virtuous woman. God wants us to understand his word in practical, deep application. So how do we become that? Because you see, I always thought my husband was supposed to be the protector and the provider and the priest. And we are not saying that that's the role of the woman. The woman is not the priest She's not the physical protector, you know, from brute strength alone. She is not the provider. She is the provider of love in the home, of an atmosphere in the home. She is the protector of her husband from the the evils and from the temptations of the devil to her husband. She encircles him as a crown of glory to his honor to rightly represent the glory of God in man, the glory of God, his character. That's that union relationship between God men and women represents the union between Christ and His children. So now that we have all of that, let's look at practically how we can learn not just learn to become virtuous women. Because by nature, are we virtuous, Lisa? I'm not. How about you, Donna? Virtuous? anybody else here we need to learn that and God wants to teach us that so as I have studied I said Lord you have to help me I am dull of mind I am selfish by nature I am independently right and I don't like to have my will crossed and other than that I'm okay but God wants to change who we are and make us to become like him so, I have found seven ways, and they're all described in, the, in chapter 31 of Proverbs. Seven ways that the Lord is teaching me to become more virtuous in my character. First things is little attentions often. You know, when we were dating and courting, it was easy. I could think of any little thing, little itty-bitty things to let Tom know I was thinking of him. And that was easy. Little attentions, okay? Okay. We've done that, right women? Men, have you done that? Little attentions in your courtship? Most of you have. If you haven't, well, we can all learn where we are. Little attentions. But God wants us to cultivate and to continue those little attentions. Often. I put on often. That means when it's not necessarily natural or comfortable that we can still give the little attentions. It may be as simple as waving goodbye when our husband leaves for work. And we have done that in the home. I have ins- implemented this simple thing. You know, in our early marriage, I would go to the door and see my husband off. But if I was struggling in my flesh and I was in, we were not in harmony and I had one of those womanly grudges that, you know, grow because my feelings have been hurt against my husband, I'd let him walk the door by himself. I wouldn't even say goodbye. But that is not how we are in our home anymore. Praise God. He's changing us. It doesn't mean we have to agree with each other in every single thing, but it means that we can have harmony in Christ. And I could go to to the door with my husband, even if the moments before we may not be in full agreement, we're not in an argument, but he has a different perspective than I do, I can still walk him to the door with full love in my heart, kiss him goodbye and wave him goodbye with no feelings left, no human uh, grudges, No hurt feelings. Waving goodbye. We'll we'll wave out the front window when he drives down the road. It has become so much a habit in our home that when Tom leaves, if I happen to not get upstairs in time to the front window... Almost always, it has been cultivated in my children, and almost always somebody is either on the front deck or at the kitchen window or the front window ready to wave off goodbye, and it's so much expected by the one who's leaving that if it's dark outside, they turn on the light in the van and wave their hand back so that people inside can see them in the van when we leave. A little thing, but it, it really sends a very important message, doesn't it? It means the last thing my husband remembers when he leaves the home is that his wife is smiling and happy and waving him goodbye, meeting him at the door when he returns. Sometimes that's not as easy because maybe we don't know when he's coming home unless you work a regular job at her home always at the same time. Then there's an expectation. But sometimes Tom doesn't come. He's in town. It's taking him longer or he has other duties. He's helping somebody or he's gone for a seminar and he's coming home. I usually have an idea. But we have now tuned in to we can tell when it's our vehicle coming down the road. And then we can go and greet them at the door. When he is gone from me, especially when he's gone overnight or on extended trips, I can write little notes, love notes, and hide them in his things. Sometimes I'll slip them in the Bible, in a message, in his socks, in a shoe, in his suit coat pocket, in his briefcase, in his little shaving bag. Anywhere I can think of, I can put little notes. And uh, sometimes my children put little notes in. And sometimes if I'm really busy... And I don't think about it ahead because I have to think about it two or three days ahead usually to accomplish it. It's all pre-planned. It's already in the mind. You see? It's in the mind ahead of time to plan for that. These little notes. And sometimes my children will do that. Little surprises. Our husbands like to come home to little surprises. Don't you, men? Where are the husbands? Do you like surprises when you get home? Surprises that are happy surprises. Right, dads? Not surprises of, uh-oh, this must have been a bad day at home. <laughs> Sometimes you come home to those two, And the wives, we wives are glad when you do come home. Because we need help, don't we? But they like little surprises. It can be um, something simple. If he's just gone for a few hours, maybe I'll just bring some fresh flowers in from the garden and put them in the house. Something like that. When he's gone a long time, A weekend, sometimes when he's gone a weekend, the children, we we plan this even before he ever leaves the house. All these little secrets between mother and children. What are we going to do when daddy leaves? And we will have our plan. As soon as he's out the door, we get into our day. I mean, we, we finish our worship, but we may start the day half an hour early because we've got a plan, a surprise to do for Tom, for their father. And so we have taken furniture out of the room, taken all the curtains off the wall, painted the room. Left it sit over Sabbath. Sunday, he's coming home Sunday afternoon, because where we live, you never get in before noon in Kalispell, and it's an hour and a half, so we know we have at least until 1.30 if the plane's on time. So Sunday morning, after worship, after breakfast, whoosh, put everything back in the room. And our whole focus maybe we don't do as much school that day because the children are helping me. And a little, well, that's maybe not such a little thing, but it is something that is helpful to our husband. It's a surprise. And he usually notices those kind of surprises by the smell before he notices it by the look because you can't hide the painting a room. But it, it really says, I'm thinking of you, we care for you, we love you, we're glad that you're home. And now I have saved him a lot of time because, you know, I don't like to paint personally. I don't really care to paint. And that's not my fa- husband's favorite job either. But if I can do that for him when he's not there, I tell you, with all the painting I'm doing, he is very. Oh, I'm very conscious of him, because my whole motivation is to do something nice for him. And one time he's gone for a month overseas, and we painted the downstairs. We had a friend come over, an older gentleman, like kind of like a daddy figure, a grandfather figure, kind of always watched out for the people on the hill. He called us the people up on the hill, and he was really kind to us, and he helped me wallpaper the halls and the bathrooms. He even helped me put back together our wood cook stove that I tore apart because I had a screwdriver in my hand and I oh you take this off this off this off and the children kept saying mother are you sure you know what you're doing yes I'll be fine don't worry he kept taking everything off you know and uh, anyway Bernard was a wonderful friend because he helped me put back together the stove but we. We buffed it off, we scrubbed it off, we, we sanded it off, we repainted and polished the entire stove. Something I had been wanting to be done a long time, that I really wanted my husband to do, but he didn't really have the time and probably wasn't really into getting into that major of a project. And it was a lot of fun. Little things to big things. Proverbs 31:12 says, She, the wife, will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. We must cultivate the good because evil comes naturally. God wants us to cultivate doing our husbands good all the days of our lives. That's one way that we can help to cultivate that in. Another area is to have neatness in order in our home. Now, we've talked about that quite a bit this week, but neatness in order. Do you know what message it sends to our husband when he uh, comes home and the house is neat, it's clean... Mother looks nice. It looks like she's at least brushed your hair and looks somewhat fresh. Says, I'm thinking of you. I want things to be pleasant when you come home. I want to not have to worry about those things so that I have time to spend with you when you're here. I had no problem doing that when we were going together, when we were engaged. When I knew Tom was going to be coming over when he got off work in the evening, oh, I made sure everything in my apartment was really nice. Remember those days, mothers and wives? And then somehow there's something that happens. And I think it's a lot of cultural training that if you're in the home and you're only a housewife. Have you ever heard those terms? Oh, I'm only a housewife. We have really done a disservice to the beautiful role that God has given us as women. But there's this this kind of way we've been brought up or portrayed through all of the, the things of the world. You know, that the woman in the home is uncapped, the house is dirty, it's untidy, as if there's, does it make any difference? And it does. You think our husbands like coming home and seeing, you know, two meals worth of dishes stacked on the sink, the bathroom not clean, laundry piled on the floor, fussing children. It's not a very inviting atmosphere. Our husbands like to come home to rest. They've worked hard. They want to come home and rest and find peace in their own home. So we can motivate that in them by having our homes orderly. Proverbs 31:13 says, "A virtuous woman is a woman who worketh well willingly with her hands." Again, that must be cultivated in us. Sometimes we work willingly and sometimes we don't work willingly. Depends on attitude, doesn't it? And maybe sometimes it's our circumstances, but most often it tends to deal with our attitudes. Maybe picking a special meal that our husband would like instead of having nothing ready for them to eat. When we know Tom's coming home for the weekend, we have our dinner, our afternoon meal already. So he drives in the driveway, we greet him, we welcome him home with hugs and kisses and smiles, and then we come, he comes to a dinner and put his suitcases in the room or a suitcase in the room, and then we have just a relaxing afternoon and family time together. So that's... Keeping order and neatness in our home. That's the second way. The third way is keeping neatness and order in ourselves as in a person within our own selves. You know, often we communicate something that we don't really realize we're communicating. We get all our hair washed and combed for church. We get it nice for company. When we go out, even when we go to the grocery store, we have a certain way we present ourselves. But in our own home sometimes we forget that the most important person to us in our lives will soon be there and our hair is dirty and we have grungy clothes and we have a sour disposition. And it's not very pleasant for our men to come home like that, for our man to come home like that. Looking, <laughs> I was saying that in the plural form, I was speaking for all women here. We have, God wants us to recognize keeping ourselves in order and neatness. Look, looking our best For our husband Again that's Proverbs 31 13 now let's look at another Area looking for the good In our husband and I'm Not necessarily putting these in the Order of easiest to most difficult But as we advance I think Some of us will find this is a little harder Than the one we just talked about before Looking for the good in our husband And then what Communicating it Looking for the good and communicating it. Really looking for the good in our spouse. Where does that? What does that mean to us practically, wives? We have to take our eyes off ourselves, right? If I want to see the good in my husband, I can't be looking at myself. I have to look for the good. And then not just look for it and say, yeah, that's there, that's there, that's there. We must communicate that. I often tell Tom, I really appreciate your hard work. You're a very good provider. I've never had to worry or find myself the way some women do, concerned about the financial and security and welfare of their home, because I know that no matter how tough things get, my husband will always find a way to provide for his family. Even if he has to worm farm or dig ditches, he's willing to do whatever he needs to do to take care of his family. I appreciate that. He's been a good provider, and when he changed from full-time work in x-ray and and teaching and, and running a school of radiography to becoming a real estate agent, he was providing for the family, but not with the same dollars that he was before. We made an agreement to change our entire lifestyle. In his first year, he made $1,200. That's not a lot of money. and. God needed to show me that I needed to work every way I could to support my husband instead of saying, well, you better get some more money. We're just going to, family's going to starve. Never once did he hear those kind of words because I was striving to look for every way I could save every penny because I knew he was doing his best. It was a whole new occupation. It was a whole new... um, Starting a whole new business in a community that not had that that representation there before it took time He had to develop relationships and friendships and and communication with people within the valley. It was a hard work, but he always provided for our needs and when the the provision was less, we learned to live within the the less instead of being critical. Many women often see just the weaknesses of their husbands, and I know in some situation. Where the women have been, the wife has been so critical of her husband that the husband, even though he comes home from work, enjoys being outside taking care of the farm animals or the garden or something else because when he comes in, his wife's depressed, she's not happy, she criticizes, she lets him know her needs are not being met, and on the list goes. And because of her attitude, Her demeanor and countenance also express that same message. And even her physical appearance is not uh, what it could be to instill and engender that love. If we really want to have our husbands in our heart and provide that crown of protection for them, we need to look for the good and communicate it. Many women were told, and I hope that you would study this out in Second Testimonies 465, and I'm going to paraphrase it. I'm not going to read you the whole paragraph. But it says, basically, that some women have such a negative attitude or, or concept in their mind about their husbands. And even though their husbands may not be like that, but because that becomes their thought processes, that because they think that way, they actually create the very thing in their mind that they've been thinking about in their mind becomes the reality in their marriage because of their attitudes that is very solemn so if we want our husbands to be the best then we must develop and cultivate a good positive attitude toward them because then if the negative produces a negative situation then that tells me that if i think right thoughts And positive things and cultivate the good and express it that my husband will develop into that. The fourth area is look for ways to serve our husbands. That means setting aside our own plans to look for ways to meet their needs. And we've shared some of those um, with you already. Maybe painting a room, doing something around the house. Maybe it's mowing the lawn look for ways to serve their needs i remember once we went out to get a load of wood now we often do that as a family but this particular day tom and i went out he found this he calls it uh, what's your word the prime or treasure what's the word you sometimes use, I use <laughs> he's loaded anyway just the right kind of tree okay the premium wood to get to burn It burns the longest and the hottest, and you need less of it to make hotter heat. So when he finds this premium wood, that's like a treasure chest to him, you know? We went out to get the wood, and this huge tree was down, and he cut it up, and he and I are working with the wood, working with the wood. Maybe we had Josiah with us, I don't remember. Anyway, we got all done, and the truck was loaded with wood, and there's still a large section of this tree left. And I had the great idea. I said, honey, why don't we just come back tomorrow? I'll set aside my plans for tomorrow, and I'll come back, and I'll help you get it. Because I know he really wants to do it all right then. He likes to get a paying load, he calls. That's just barely to keep the stops off the tire. Or I don't know how to describe it, but the truck sits very low. And we came home, and he, he set aside his plans. First, at the beginning of the day, I had something totally different, differently planned. He said, I'd like to get a load of wood today. Okay, I set aside my plans for his good to work with him and then he was willing to set aside his idea of getting the rest of the tree that day to come home, put the wood away, shower up and have some relaxing family time. The next day we went out and his prize was gone. Somebody driving down the road had seen us cutting up the wood. They came sometime after we left that day, found this treasure, this premium wood, and finished loading the rest of our load in their truck and went off. Well, that's okay because it's whoever gets there first gets it. But I knew that was really hard for my husband <laughs> because that was his tree. He'd already cut it down, done all this work, had it all ready just to load. I mean, it was ready to go. But it was gone. You know, sometimes the devil wants to use these little situations to begin to build major agitations, doesn't he? And praise God. I said, honey, maybe we'll find something else here. And we found the Lord gave us him another premium treasure chest out there, another, another beautiful tree. And you know the same thing happened? He cut the tree down. We loaded the truck. Several hours of hard labor. truck was fully loaded. And there's still a large section of the tree left. Now the Lord called to my heart. Okay? Ways to serve our husbands. I said, honey, I'll tell you what. How about I drive the truck home? I don't like driving the truck when it's full of wood that heavy. I'll drive the truck home. The children and I will unload the entire load. We will make a picnic lunch and we will come back and have lunch together and we'll finish loading the wood and you can guard your tree. That was a wonderful idea. (laughs) Looking for ways to serve our husbands. And it was great. He stayed there, he got it all cut up, he guarded it, found another tree. By the time we got back, we had another truckload ready just to load and come home. We had a nice picnic and a good time together. But you know, sometimes the Lord stretches our willingness to serve, doesn't he? A little bit more than what may be comfortable. And that evening, after now two loads of wood, the Lord impressed me. Tom was sitting at his desk. It was in the evening time. It was just before we went to bed. And he was trying to finish up a few things at his desk. And I walked into the bedroom because his office is in our bedroom. I mean, his office is a desk. It was in our bedroom. And he's sitting there. And I had the thought. And I know this is the Holy Spirit. He, came, he gave me this thought. Go up and start rubbing your husband's shoulders. I mean, he's worked hard all day. And you know what kind of human thoughts we have? Hey, a minute. I've worked hard, too. Maybe he should be rubbing my shoulders. He's got twice the muscle mass I have. But... That's just one of those quick temptations that come. But the Lord gave me the better choice. And I went over and started rubbing his shoulders, and I felt so nice to him. It was just a few moments, but it sent a, a message to his heart, looking for ways to serve him. To become a virtuous woman, Jesus calls to us to, in Proverbs thirty-one twenty-seven, She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. You know, we can... Help our husbands and we can learn to become virtuous women When we're industrious When we look to how we can serve Another area Now these may be getting harder for you women It's the area of submission Ooh, submission, yeah Not when it violates moral principle But I mean a submission That if our husband says Something or makes a request or wants to set a uh, new standard or something in the home and we don't see it that way if it does not violate God's principles moral principle to learn how to submit now one of the things I used to love to do was talk on the telephone that was something I really loved to do most women do And the Lord has trained me and worked with me so that it's not a, a, uh, I enjoy it still, but it's not, you know, a driving motivation that keeps me from all the other work. And once in a while, I always ask, you know, Tom to do it. But this particular day, he came to me and he says, Honey, I want you to call so-and-so and and take care of this. And I looked at the name and I knew the circumstances and I did not want to call them. Because it was not an easy call. But the Lord reminded me, you need to submit. And I could have said, but, and I could have gone this long argument, and this should be your job, and da-da-da-da-da-da. But the Lord called in my heart. He gave me that because he wanted to see if I was willing to submit and surrender in one little moment of the day to my husband over something that was small But in my eyesight, it was very big because I just didn't want to call the person and have to deal through this. And I said, you you want me to call? Yes. You know how sometimes we ask the question? Well, of course he does. He wouldn't ask me in the first place. But, you know, sometimes we kind of ease into submission, (laughs) hoping that by our hesitancy, our husband's say, oh, never mind. I'll just do it. And, you know, we have ways to look to get around that. That's what I did initially, But I found peace when I was really willing in my heart. And I took that little request up as an opportunity to submit and to do what God asked me to do and what my husband was wanting me to do. And I made that phone call, and I found a tremendous peace in my heart and a joy in my heart, and it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. On the other end, look for ways that we can... Uh, When our husband calls to our hearts That he has a need to submit to that And if you've ever found yourself in a position Where you see something one way And he sees something very different And they do not agree You know sometimes we want to make sure Our husband knows our position But when they really don't understand And they are fully see it Totally opposite that we do We can be submissive to the difference in that that's another way we can be submissive instead of being women that we've been cultivated the old tendencies you know to get our way we try crying we try nagging or whatever it is in our personality we try to get our side and our viewpoint across to be submissive in that and you know what I found effective praying I I prayed Lord if I am wrong please show me and if he is wrong please show him and I'm willing to accept His understanding and His position and help it not to be an issue in my heart. And I went to the Lord in prayer. And do you know, four or five weeks later, we still didn't... You know, it wasn't a major issue, but we still had a differing opinion. But do you know, the very day when the answer needed to be given and we, were found, we found ourselves in the circumstance, how we were going to deal through it, at that very day... My husband came to me and he said, The Lord has really been impressing this upon me. And he changed my husband's attitude. I didn't change my husband's attitude. I went to the Lord. Not with the Spirit. Lord, change him. Lord, first, if I'm wrong, you change me. And if I don't see it any other way than this, then I leave it up to you to change him. That's another way we can submit in Christ to to the benefit of our homes. Proverbs 31.26 challenges us women. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. Another way we can cultivate uh, virtue and learn to become virtuous women is having our children happy. you know what it's like for daddy to come home and find fuss, fussy, miserable, discontented, whining, unhappy children? After they've been at work for a hard day and maybe they've dealt with fussy, unhappy, miserable, selfish adults all day? We can work with the simple things in our homes to help our children be happy in the home. And I won't go into great detail on that because we've got whole tape albums and the whole series we just did this week that are, that are ways that we cultivate that true, godly, Christian characteristic in our children. But to look, to be sensitive. Just think, when your spouse comes home next time, just be aware. What's the atmosphere of the home with the children? Are they contented? Is it quiet? Is it peaceful? Or is there unrest and distress? Making home happy does not mean we give the child everything they want. It means we work with the principles from God's Word and the power of heaven to work on the hearts and wills in the home to surrender to Christ. Proverbs thirty-one twenty-eight says, Her children arise up and call her blessed. Notice, a virtuous woman means more than just learning to be virtuous towards her husband. The true description of a virtuous woman means if she has children, that her children respect her, love her, and appreciate her for the work that the mother is doing with the children in the home. Which creates then... A more pleasant atmosphere For the husband And lastly The seventh area That the Lord has shown me To help To learn To become a virtuous woman Is not to correct My husband In front of the children Husbands Not to correct Your wife In front of the children Now This is an area That we have not Always been successful in From my side Probably more Than from his side But we become much more sensitive and if we do not agree upon a situation if we have two different perspectives of what's happened and we're going to be talking about a real need for the child for correction that needs to be done we will talk quietly usually in our bedroom about the situation and we will explore each other's perspectives and opinions and Explore principles to know how to best deal with the needs of the child. Don't correct. Many parents find, uh, we've been in homes where the father said this, okay, in front of company, in front of the children, the father looks at his wife and he says, You're just not handling it right. Come on, handle it right. What's wrong with you? What does that do? What does that tell the children? Mother doesn't know what she's doing mother's not handling me right so the next time the child's will is crossed whether mother is handling it right or not the child's going to think oh i don't have to listen to mother she's not handling it right we develop a negative perspective in the in the minds of our children in one or two simple situations like that sometimes the husband may say to the wife or the wife may say the husband oh you just never do anything around here that puts the husband in a demeaning position. Now it works the other way. The child sees the, the, the father and says, Oh, yeah, you know, kind of like Daddy doesn't really do anything around here, kind of like Daddy's worthless. I really don't need to pay attention to Daddy. See where those comments lead? And in reality, it's, they're, they're overstatements, they're exaggerations, they're outright lies. Because even if father does one simple thing, he is doing something in the home. So we have to build on what is there and give Him credit for that and then encourage through the right motives and the right ways to have Him help us more. And it works in reverse. Maybe the father says that to the mother in front of the children. Or maybe the mother says, Why won't you take the responsibility of the children? Don't you know you're the priest of the household? You don't lead out and worship the way you should. So then when father tries to lead out and worship... The child just says, oh, my daddy doesn't know what he's doing. I don't need to listen to him. You see, these simple comments that are oftentimes spoken in haste, often in agitation, often in frustration, lead to serious problems in the home. Show proper respect. If we feel that we are uh, in a position where we are, if we are not in agreement and the child needs to be dealt with, and we need to discuss the situation away from the child and come to an agreement. And there's been times I said, Honey, I don't see it the way you do, but you go ahead and I will support you. There's been many times in the homeschooling situation that my husband hasn't seen my perspective or understood what I am dealing with, but he has seen from, from um, working together in this that when the few times he has said, You know, well, why should they have to know that? That's not important. But that has created an attitude in the child. Whereas now he says, I may not understand it, but he is fully in support of my expectations of the children in the home. And now he can say, I see the benefit of that. So let's look for ways to keep the relationship between husband and wife positive before the children. In closing, I'd like us to read Proverbs 31, verse 11. It says, the heart of her husband doth safely trust in her. And isn't that the ultimate experience that God wants us to come to when we work as wives in the home to develop that relationship with Jesus, to become a virtuous woman, that crown of protection, so that our husbands know that they're in our heart? That the heart of her husband doth safely trust in her. That means the husband knows that no matter what happens, the wife will trust Him, she respects Him, she honors Him, and she has her confidence in Him, and that He can also trust the motives and attitudes of the wife. God has given us a beautiful description of what He wants to help us to grow into, hasn't He? And He has promised us all the power of, that He has all the power of the universe, of His heavenly hosts, will be there to help us to become all that He has asked us to be in His power. And it can only be done in His power. We can try on our own, we can try to implement some of these ideas on our own, but we'll fail miserably first or second time. Something doesn't go the way we perceive it in our minds. God wants to work in us to develop this relationship. Between husband and wives, and He's given the wives a particularly special role to cultivate this into the hearts and in the home. Shall we kneel as we close? This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org